Hi and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and Pastor Adam Mosier continue talking about the Augsburg Confession, looking at Article 25. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota. Whatever your vocation, start here, go anywhere, grounded in God's Word. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bowe, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Adam Osher. All right, welcome back, guys. We're back at it after uh, the last... Uh, we had some craziness happen the last time we recorded, <laughs> yeah. uh, but we're, we're ready to roll today. Yeah, ready to roll. A really interesting topic at hand, because this is a repeated topic in the Augsburg Confession, the idea of mm-hmm. private confession absolution, the theology of it is covered in Article 11, and here we are in Article 25 looking at the practice of private confession and absolution. Mm -hmm. Do you think anybody would notice if we replayed our episodes from (laughs) Article Article 11? 11. Yeah. So, fun story with that. Uh, (laughs) Oh, you know, a handful of years ago at my church, I had a member who was incensed that uh, she had heard a pastor re-preach a sermon. Really? (laughs) And she was really bothered by that. She's like, do other pastors do that? And so I looked at her, I said, have I ever recycled a sermon? She looked at, have you? I was like, well, do you know? (laughs) 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 So the the whole thing was like, oh, well, maybe it's not that egregious. (laughs) Because we, uh, I tend to remember what I preach on pretty well. Uh, And so, you know, I'm always afraid to repeat things, but, uh, people listening to sermons regularly rather than writing them retain far less than probably we hope that they well, retain. That was it. You know, I, um, I don't remember what I preach as well, you know, I, and one of the things that came up for me with a, another pastor that I had worked with at a, in a different church, he said, uh, he said, Oh, you know, I I'm think I, I told him I'm thinking about preaching on, you know, this verse, I can't remember which one it was. And he goes, well, I just preached that like three years ago. And I'm, I'm thinking, <laughs> I don't remember what I preached yeah. three days ago, you know? <laughs> yeah. and, and so therefore yep. I don't remember what you preached three years ago. And maybe, maybe the other people won't either. Yeah. yeah it's, that's the way it works. It's, it's funny that way, but <laughs> I, I, I wonder if I, uh, yeah. if I remember more of what, what I preach when I only preach about two things ever. Yeah, right. You just <laughs> yeah. repeat yourself. Pre- uh, preach forgiveness yeah. of sins and vocation. Is and today an A day or a B day? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wonder <laughs> if I'm going to talk about vocation yeah. in the sermon today. Oh, I yeah, think, I guess I am. I think if you guys replayed, though, uh, 11, that was back when Brian was still with you yeah. well, and that not was, me. Uh, so that, I think people would notice, Brian's yeah. back, and everybody would write in, oh, thank God we got Brian back, <laughs> yeah. and my, my feelings would be hurt. So I, I don't want that. Let's, I, just, I, let's I go with it 25. Be, it would be a great ex- exercise to, to do something like that, only to have it transcribed. And to, to W in on Brian's audio. Yeah. <laughs> and Brian would have to do that. Oh, yeah. Because he's the only one who knows how to do that. He's yeah. the producer. So yeah, so it'd be all kinds of weirdness, but that would right. be a, a fun little thing. Or yeah. or to replay an episode where we all just kind of rotate 90 degrees what we said. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and if you want to go back and listen, it was actually the last uh, session we did with Brian, episodes 205 through 208. Oh, that article, was the last article. Yeah, we did? it was the last article <laughs> that we did with Brian uh, before Adam joined us. Wow. Yep. So this is your uh, like what fourteenth article? I don't know if I started the very next article. 
I think you had some guests. Uh, well, I, Brett, you and I did Article 13 yeah, on our yep, own, right? Yep, I think and so, then, yep. And then we, we had you and we had Nathan, and then I think we... Pit- I can't remember if I was 14 or 16 that I started, I thought. Oh. Uh, 12, actually. 12. It says In my notes, it says Adam's first episode. Really? Yeah. Wow. Two, episode 209. So we just did some interviews in between. But this is riveting yeah. radio. Oh by yeah, the way. Right. <laughs> and we just well, lost everybody. All right, yeah, let's let's get into it. To here. the three remaining uh, listeners yeah. of this episode, we're going to read Article Twenty Five uh, of the Oxford Confession. Right, and not even going to read the whole thing. Yeah, the first but, part, uh, just the first part. Um, it's on confession, uh, Article Twenty Five. I'll go ahead and read that for us here. Uh, it says, "Confession has not been abolished by the preachers on our side." The custom has been retained among us of not administering the sacrament to those who have not previously been examined and absolved. At the same time, the people are careful, carefully instructed concerning the consolation of the word of absolution so that they may esteem absolution as a great and precious thing. It is not the voice or word of the man who speaks it, but it is the word of God who forgives sin, for it is spoken in God's stead and by God's command. We teach with great diligence about this command and power of keys and how comforting and necessary it is for terrified consciences. We also teach that God requires us to believe this absolution as much as as if we heard God's voice from heaven, and that we should joyfully comfort ourselves with absolution, and that we should know that though such faith, that through such faith we obtain forgiveness of sins. And I'll, I'll stop at that point. That's a great, that's a great paragraph, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really it's is. Fantastic. So yep. much crammed yeah. into yeah. those few sentences. Right. Yeah, and you, Jason, you started the episode by saying this isn't necessarily about the theology. You know, that's more Article 11, but this is more uh, looking at the practice of uh, confession and absolution. Yeah, and so actually line one or paragraph one of Article 25 explains that. So Mm -hmm. they are addressing the rumor or the slander or the suspicion that as part of their reforming efforts, they've abolished the practice of confession, or, or probably they would say the confession or something like that in the churches. And and the whole article stems from, we haven't abolished it. We uphold it. Mm -hmm. What's fascinating is the practice that the early Lutherans were doing that we don't do anymore in America in that you were uh, required to to be examined by confession and absolution Hmm. before coming to receive the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Have you guys been... Anywhere close to that sort of, or had that practice be uh, anywhere close to your experience? I (laughs) I have not as a pastor, you know, ever required it in that formal of a sense, like before, you know, between now and the next time we have the Lord's Supper together that you need to be, you know, in in confessing. I I am definitely, uh, in the church that I was at in, in Pittsburgh, we had a very formal service, which is different than a lot of our other AFLC um, churches. And, and during that particular confession time th- uh, on, a, on a communion Sunday, there was a significantly heavier uh, time spent, much more time spent on confession of sin hmm. and with a more formal absolution, which actually ended in to those who are not unbelieving, no, to, to the unbelieving and to those who have not, do not repent. Yep. God has not forgiven your sin, even the, the warning yeah. there. And sure. there's the both sides. Of course, there was the other side of forgiveness as well after the confession. And so, so it was emphasized prior to communion, but not in an individual basis, not on an individual basis. 
And I think that becomes part of the difficulty in discussing yeah. this among different churches right. with different histories and different backgrounds. The corporate confession and absolution is one issue and that needs to be addressed. And right. we've brought it up several times in yep. the past. Yep. But, but particularly private confession and absolution is something that in a lot of Lutheran congregations, regardless of which Lutheran letters they have on the sign, is a practice that has fallen out of favor, fallen out of practice. Yeah. It just doesn't happen as much anymore. And that is where the, the connection to corporate worship happened in the Reformation, that it was private confession and absolution in preparation for public communion. Sure. Man, this is all, I kind of want to set up like a confessional booth uh, <laughs> just to get the ball rolling and in my congregation. Well, you, think, you think that would fly? I, I employ private <laughs> confession and absolution on a regular basis, yeah, yeah. and I've talked about this before, but for anyone uh, either in my congregation or, you know, kind of related to my congregation, for them to enter into any sort of what I guess American Christians would call pastoral counseling, yeah. uh, they are required to do private confession and absolution with me once. Uh and the reason I do that is not because I think everyone's just an egregious sinner and I want to get it all out so I know what I'm up against. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the reason is, is that American Christians are so out of practice yeah. of having the gospel put directly into their ears. And the whole point of any counseling or discipleship or anything along those lines is to have someone grow in faith in the gospel. And, and the one, I mean, there's several strengths to private confession absolution, but the one massive strength of it is you are put in a situation where you can't disqualify yourself from the gospel that you're hearing preached. Now, we can do that we're, when we're in a, a, a divine service. We can do that when we're with other people, convincing ourselves that, oh, that gospel message is for other people who are more worthy than, it, than I am, or more worthy of it than I am. But we can't do that when it's just me and the pastor or me and another believer. When I confess my sins and that person, the confessor, declares forgiveness yeah. based on that confession, you cannot disqualify yourself from that word of gospel. Alternatively, on the on the law side of things, I think there's some value too in that so often we think that uh, you know, for instance, in corporate confession, we're praying the same prayer. You know, maybe it's, you know, Almighty God, our Maker and Redeemer, we poor sinners have, you know, confess unto thee that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We can say those words together, but it's easy when I know I'm saying the same words with everybody else praying the same thing to, to generalize the reality that I'm confessing my sin, whereas in, in direct confession, there is that realization that I have sinned. My sin has put Christ on the cross. My sin is serious and it needs to be confessed. And then of course, I agree with everything you said about the gospel side of it too. Then hearing that word of gospel proclaimed just to those specific sins that I know that I've committed and that yep. have grieved me. Yep. And, and therefore hearing that gospel promise attached to that event is something that I think we should look forward to. And it's not something we should shirk. I think especially maybe within our particular strain of Lutheranism, I think there's that fear of looking Catholic, Yeah, you know? Yeah, and, right. and so we've, yeah. we've rejected a lot of the practice that, you know, what would smack of that, right? right. Uh, clerical collars are relatively rare, uh, although not absent in our church body, um, things like that. But confession, I think is one of those things for sure. Yeah. And, 
and, and I we, think we a lot ma- of it make make fun of it or make a joke of it. Yeah, the way we talk about it. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. But I think a lot of that though is because mm-hmm. of a fundamental misunderstanding that it's. Um, of what it is, of what we're actually doing, what the practice is in that moment. And we forget entirely the benefit to souls that it can be. Yeah, it's that the that's too Catholic reaction to this. You can understand why someone who has been poorly catechized yeah. or hasn't been catechized at all would, would it make that, re- that, that re- would have that reaction because we always think it's what we do that makes us who we are. And so it's, we're, we're worried about Catholic practices more than we're worried about Catholic theology, right? That's what's built into it. And the argument, always the empty argument behind objecting to private confession absolution is only God can forgive sins. What's interesting is built into the confession right here yeah. is the reiteration of the reality that absolution forgives sins as if God is speaking directly to you, the forgiveness of your sins. It has nothing to do with the pastor or the confessor otherwise. Yeah. It's an accidental thing as you know, that, that we're there as part of that, as I've done, you know, I've done private absolution confession, um, you know, myself on both ends, I've been the one confessing at times and I've been the one who was the confessor or the one, you know, proclaiming the, the forgiveness of sins and, and the, the line that I've used, you know, and, and this is in the public setting. So I'm going to, I'm going to switch it here a little bit. So I'm, I'm going to mix metaphors or, or whatever it's called a little bit here, but in that, as I declare by, you know, as a minister of Christ and by his authority, I declare to the, you know, uh, you know, to, and that, that language of I'm doing this for Christ completely removes me from the equation. You know, if God wanted to do it, I just heard this again this morning, but it's Luther quote, right? If God can speak out of the mouth of a donkey once, he can do it again. I think Luther used a different word, but we're, we're a G rated <laughs> podcast. And right. so yeah. the, you know, he, he could do it again. God uses yeah. me by accident, but it's God's words, not mine. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's exactly what it is, is the messenger is the only role the pastor or the confessor plays. All he's doing is yep. delivering the truth of what God has already spoken and what God has already accomplished in Christ. I, I wanted to circle back really quick to something you said, Adam, about the law end of private confession absolution, because I think there's an element that we as pastors don't spend a lot of time thinking about in, in all of the fruit for ministry that that has. And mm-hmm. I do, uh, one of the things I do in my spare time, I listen to a lot of productivity uh, podcasts. It's it's just something I'm fascinated with. Uh, I I really try to improve at organizing my time. Uh, the nature of my Cal past- Newport. Yeah, uh, yeah. Cal Newport yeah. Uh, wrote one of my favorite books of all time, a, a book called Deep Work. And um, I listen to his podcast. And you know, part of it is in my pastoral ministry, I have multiple different hats that I'm wearing. As far as I'm a pastor of a congregation, I'm also an adjunct professor here at the schools, and in different things like that. So I'm I'm trying to manage my time well. Uh, one of the things Cal Newport said on his podcast applies to this: is that if you ask someone for good advice, they will. Uh, give you an abstraction that is almost entirely unhelpful. So, so like productivity-wise or like a, a good writer, if you walk up to them and you ask them, well, what advice would you give to aspiring writers? They will give you empty nothingness, right? If you ask them how they write, 
they'll tell you their process and then you'll pick up things to learn about that. The, the same thing in a weird sense is true about confession and absolution. Uh, if someone comes to you and say, pastor, I am struggling uh, in my Christian life. Uh, uh, I, I really want to work on some things. And, you know, like if they just want to enter into a discipleship relationship, you know, well, what do you want to work on? They'll just come up with something and they'll probably wash out on that mentorship in a couple of weeks because it will just be abstract nothingness, right? Which all the self-help Christian books are exactly that. Hmm. A- addressing problems that aren't actually problems with solutions that are so obvious they shouldn't be written about. If you go and say to the person coming to you as a pastor, what do you feel like confessing? There's a lot of fruit in what is on their heart that they're feeling guilty mm. about that you can now apply scripture to. And, and that is the basis almost always for my interpersonal ministry as a pastor with members yeah. of my congregation. It's, That's great. Uh, I don't say it as directly or crassly as, well, what do you feel like confessing today? <laughs> uh, but that, that's what the point of private confession and absolution is. We're not reiterating yeah. all of our sins. We're not rehashing everything. We are bringing what we feel guilty and burdened by yep. to the Lord to have forgiven. Yeah, the, the presenting issue of, of yeah. what's happening in our lives. And I love how you couch that in in terms of soul care, both uh, pastor to people, uh, but also I think from uh, fellow Christian to fellow Christian here. Yeah. That, and that's that's one thing, you know, I, we feel like uh, repeating ourselves, but, you know, over and over again, uh, we, we, talk, we hear the, the idea about conscience, the conscience yep. and... Uh, you know, lifting up the burden off a conscience or tormented consciences um, that uh, have the gospel applied to them. It's a repeated theme in the book of Concord, comfort for the burdened conscience. I am convinced, and I've been convinced of this for years now, that the primary method of soul care in our congregation should be confession and absolution. Hmm. Not the only method, but the primary method of soul care should be confession and absolution. Yep. That should be the basis of what we do. It can serve as the launching pad for what we do, and it should be the end of what we do. Almost always, like I said, I require it once, yeah. and then I leave it optional. Almost always uh, my ongoing uh, pastoral counseling, or I call them discipleship uh, meetings with individual members of my congregation, the confession and the absolution is the highlight of what we're doing together. Yeah. And, and we, yeah, we and build that, on that. And that fosters an ongoing repentance and faith um, on a day by day or week by week or however often you get together uh, to do that sort of thing um, that is refreshing. Yeah, well, in, in private confession absolution, from the point of a Christian now, from, not from the point of where we'll yeah. take our pastor hats yeah, off for yeah. a second, looking at it from the point of a Christian, that is the flesh and blood method of living a life of repentance. You know, the call of our baptism, the call of scripture is to always be repenting so that we're ready to hear the gospel. No better way to repent than to do it formally and directly uh, on a one-to-one basis with your pastor or with a confessor friend whom you trust. I I can't I can't help but think there's two two things about that. One is funny, one is dead serious. Um, I kept when you when you kept thinking about what's on their heart, you know, focusing on what's in your heart really gets to the heart of of their sin, and it really brings true true uh, you know appreciation for the forgiveness of sins. All I can think about: Have you guys ever seen that that meme uh, where the the guy's confessing to his pastor, and the line is? Uh, 
sometimes I put my car in neutral uh, at stoplights and pull back a little so people think I drive and <laughs> drive a manual. <laughs> and, and the pastor <laughs> says, the pastor says once again, weird, but not a sin. <laughs> so, so it's interesting that some of the things you find when you hear people talk, you know, might not be, but the, the serious one was, yeah. you know, I think some of the most meaningful moments yeah. I've had in private uh, one-on-one ministry have been exactly that. And it's been the, it's been the comfort of soul. You know, uh, I'm thinking of uh, the woman, you know, who was within, you know, a couple days of her death wanting to talk to me and really laying out there, you know, things that maybe a person who knew her would have seen, you know, and, and that's definitely something maybe she struggles with. And you've maybe tried to allude to it at different times in your own, but, but at the end of her life, looking at me and saying, I've done this and I've been this way. And be, to be able to look at her and say, you know what? And Christ paid for that too. And he yeah. paid for it for you. Amen. And to see the, the comfort, you know, kind of roll over her at that time. And then two days later to be in the presence of Christ, you know, and, and know that she's, you know, know, knowing that, that she has, has been paid for that, that it wasn't her, her performance that had got her there, but it was the finished work of Jesus. Amen. Well, and I know a pastor who's, who's talked about this publicly, that, that same sort of thing Mm -hmm. about how in older age, especially as we're preparing for dying, the guilt of past sins really yeah. wells up yep. inside you. And in this pastor, he was talking about ministering to someone who was on his deathbed dying of cancer or something where you could see the end, you know, coming. And and he was just over and over again refusing to be consoled. And, and this pastor was, you know, walking him through confession and absolution. Oh, I don't know. And, and so finally he tried a different tactic. He goes, oh, yep, Eddie, that's right. I guess you found the one sin that Jesus didn't die for. <laughs> he just said it straight. And the guy yeah, stopped, you know, on his death. He's like, oh, you got me there, pastor. You got me there. But that the beauty yeah. of confession and absolution for the fear I would of, of our sinful pride of being caught and shamed in a sin is that confession and absolution communicates the reality that we can't out sin the grace of Jesus, that it's always there. And it's always there in abundance for us. First funeral I ever did. Guy died on all saints day. Pretty fitting. (laughs) Uh, He, he grew up actually in the same hometown. I did moved away way before I was ever born. Um, We met at the very, you know, at the very close of his life. Uh, But one of the guys I'd love to go and visit, he would tell me stories about my hometown, about people I knew. In fact, in fact, believe it or not, on on the on the wall he had a clock that was made by my step grandfather and he goes i got that from my friend i have one friend left in valley city it was my step grandpa and i was kind of shocked at the time just thinking what in the world you know this this is such a great thing and he he was able to tell me about oh yes but i grew up in this era and i we did these things and he goes but then jesus got a hold of me and it, i knew that that my sins were forgiven, that he died for me, for me, pastor, for me, he died. And, and yeah. it was, the, and so the title of his, uh, you know, the funeral homily or whatever the message was for me. For me. And we focused on that. And uh, it was, it was a, a good moment of, of seeing that this wasn't just something that, you know, was abstract, but something very specific. And for Horst, that was his name, Horst Witt. Uh, <laughs> it's a great name. I, I think nice. I can say his name. He doesn't have any living children. Children and and uh, and his wife has passed as well. 
but uh, fantastic man. I, I look forward to see, but for him, and that was the, that was yeah. the strength of his life was for him, for him, for him. Nice. Yeah. And so I, I think, you know, as we wrap up this episode, um, I guess I would, you know, listener, if you're maybe not into the practice of this, or if you've never done this, uh, talk to your pastor. Uh, if you're a pastor, talk to another pastor. Um, there, I think all three of us have, be, you know, personally been blessed by by this practice that as we talk about this. And so, um, as we wrap up this episode, uh, know that your sins are forgiven in Christ. I don't know. Do you have, uh, Jason? Maybe you want to end this episode with a maybe a word of absolution that you would share in a. I will do the one I do in the yeah. worship service so that I don't have to give context to people who don't understand. And so, normally. Uh, we read a gospel promise, Isaiah 118, you know, your sins will be as white as snow or uh, Psalm 32 one, uh, I confess my sin to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And what I say is because of promises like this in the word of God from the mouth of God himself and because of the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross in your place, I declare to you that your sins have been forgiven. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Listeners are invited to the Fall Spotlight Conference at the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota. It happens October 9th and 10th. Guests will learn from Megan Ullman of Life Training Institute how to defend a pro-life view persuasively and graciously as we navigate a post-row world. Registration, live stream information are all available at flbc.edu slash spotlight. God bless you and have a great week.